Well, you know these guys? I sure do. They know you. Much respected. Tremendous. They are rootsy. Yep. They are... They got it going on. They, yeah. That's they're happening. What was, that's what... They're happening. They work hard, they play hard. They, they play hard, they work hard. They look good, they feel they, good. That, yeah, we could have said the same Pretty thing. much all you need. You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's Wrestling Life. It's episode 136. It's November 1, 2017. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We're here to discuss uh, the news of the week in the world of wrestling. WWE is on the road to Survivor Series. I went to Raw this week. That was a terrible decision. But before we get Ah. into that, (laughs) before we get into that, let's tie up some loose ends from last week's show. Liam brought up a couple of things that he wanted to discuss and on the topic of uh, WWE's problematic drug policy, uh, Liam had some uh, more points to make on drug use in wrestling. You want to go there, Liam? Yeah, um, it was just it kind of struck me this week. Uh, Kenny Omega was in it was in the news even more than he normally is because uh, he he dressed like Princess Jasmine on uh, some random show in New Japan this past weekend. And while everyone was, you know, doing the Jim Cornette, you know, damn it, this doesn't belong in pro wrestling speech all over the place, or or the other side, if you're a fan of Kenny Omega and you're defending it, and, you know, those two camps that will just war and fight forever and nothing will ever change and nobody's changing their minds, it's just going to be that same argument forever. Uh, just, I was just looking at Kenny Omega's body, uh, not in a creepy way, not in a Mick Foley what? way, but... Uh, and uh, he shows some very obvious signs of uh, steroid use, <laughs> which I don't think is a secret. If you look at him when he was a junior heavyweight in New Japan, or even uh, if you want to just go look at where he was the night that the Bullet Club turned on AJ Styles and Kenny Omega became the new uh, boss of that group uh, compared to where he was about six. He, uh, he, does, he does a lot of steroids. And or HGH, whatever. I don't. I don't claim to know the man's uh, uh, prescription of choice or whatever. And I'm sure it's. I would. I have no reason to suspect it's not legally prescribed um, or anything. And I'm not. I'm not calling anyone out on a moral judgment. But I will say, if we're going to talk about, and everyone did, and rightfully so, uh, this isn't whataboutism. I'm not trying to to take heat off of WWE. But if we're going to talk about WWE potentially having a problem, uh, HGH steroids problem again, I think it's worth pointing out that there are guys like Kenny Omega or Ethan Carter III and TNA or uh, oh, there are others as well. Uh, there's, there's a lot of guys whose bodies on the indie scene 
don't exactly uh, pass the the sniff test, so to speak. I think Donovan Dijak is one of those guys who's I guess now is in NXT. So, but uh, I just I just think it's worth pointing out, just as an aside, that while it is because of Triple H's uh, trainer kind of being very honest about how WWE views HDH and other products that are uh, you know steroids in general. Yeah, so a lot of people talked about this being a problem industry, specifically WWE's issues, uh, their past issues, and how them being sort of lax or them sort of relaxing their standards on guys using steroids or other, you know, HGH, whatever, could be problematic and dangerous, as we have seen in previous eras. And I just want to kind of just mention as an aside, that's not just a WWE problem. Uh, you know, Kenny, Kenny Omega is an example. Like I said, I think EC3 is an example. I think there are guys kind of all over the Indies who have some questionable physiques. So it's just something I hope, I just hope everybody's careful. Um, um, obviously a lot of talented guys. I just got to see Kenny Omega's third match with, uh, Okada from the G1, uh, very recently. I really enjoyed that match. It was different than anything that they, those two had done before. So I really appreciate a lot of these guys as, as performers, as athletes. And I would just hate to see them that could be in the long term hurtful to their career that, uh, some guy, some stars of the previous generation did, if that makes sense. Sure. It's a fair point. And it's, you know, it's not one that I hear a lot of other people raising right now you know it's easy to point figure at wwe because they're walmart and that you know they they are the dominant force of the industry but yep there's a lot of it's a big industry and the indies are booming business right now so yep it's a fair point um aside from that uh we didn't really touch on any of impact's woes last week uh impact like people are leaving the promotion left and right um the anthem <laughs> if you listen to jeff jarrett anthem's out of money jeff jarrett and anthem have parted ways anthem has basically gutted the fight network to pay for <laughs> impacts losses just a dis- this i don't oh man this thing's just a disaster it's not getting better anytime soon jeff jarrett is apparently in wwe sponsored rehab which seems like the best thing for him and his family at this point so god bless jeff jarrett but impact just continues to be spiraling out of control. Is there anything to do other than to, I don't want to point and laugh at anybody losing their jobs, but just the fact that this company is a to fail and that, and that continues. Is there anything yeah. else? To, is there anything else to say on that? Or, I mean, yeah, I think you, I mean, it's, it's every cliche imaginable. It's those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And everybody, when Anthem stepped in and bought the company, they said, Hmm, don't think that's a good idea. Uh, and they obviously wanted their, their, they wanted to try to expand in North America. I know the fight network shows a lot of UFC stuff in Canada. And if they want to break into the U S market, obviously they won't have the rights to that. So they, they were just looking for content. And so I think they thought that tape library was valuable and valuable enough to, to take a chance and, they could cut costs here and, and, and do, you know, do things a little differently and, and they'd really turn the ship around, but obviously that's not the case. And I just, (laughs) it's, you feel bad, obviously now that it's affecting people that really have nothing to do with the company. I mean, uh, you know, the, the law has been around forever. 
um, uh, predates their association with the fight network. And, and it's, so it's sad to see guys lose their jobs over stuff like that. I'm, I don't think anyone's taking glee in it, but I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to feel sorry for the fight network itself. You, I mean, you feel bad for the employees who probably all knew it was a bad idea when, uh, when they found out what their parent company was interested in doing. But, uh, yeah, it's, you just kind of throw your hands up and shake your head, uh, for lack of a better thing to, uh, to do or say about it. I mean, as you said, what, even though I've just rambled for three minutes, what can you really say? <laughs> <laughs> my my key point there, and you brought it up, is that when they bought the company, it was like, okay, we're buying the tape library because we can monetize this. But the key point to me, even when they bought that, <clears throat> to monetize it, it's like WWE can monetize TNA's tape library. I don't think anybody else can. Who's going to buy a standalone? Right. Who's going to buy a standalone TNA video library? Outside of WWE, it's like no one's going to. It's it's the harsh reality of of globalization and monopolization is that WWE is the only one who can monetize that tape library. And, yeah, and Anthem didn't. Anthem was not uh, uh, long sighted enough to to realize that, and threw a lot of good money after bad. So, ugh. But the yeah. Uh, speaking of good money after bad, um, I, my wife and I spent a lot of money to go to, sp- to go to see WWE Raw this week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, that hey, is probably. Hey, Ethan, I just want to ask you a question, idiot. Um, what was what was your favorite part? Was it was it Stephanie McMahon coming back and making the Olympic hero cower before her? Uh, was your favorite part seeing Nia Jax squash for the three millionth time? Uh, was your favorite part? Uh, I'm trying to think what else happened on the stupid show. Uh, not seeing my favorite wrestler wrestle or cut a promo. Oh yeah, uh, Sasha Banks not even not even be there. Uh, was your favorite part seeing Kane beat up not only Finn Balor for the second straight week, but also the tag champs? And I mean, I it was funny because I even made the point of mentioning on Twitter. Oh, well, usually when they're trying to get the big guy over, they feed him the tag champs, but this time they're going to feed Finn instead. I was wrong. And you got to witness it firsthand. He got fed Finn a time tag champs. What a treat for you to see Kane dominate here in 2017 at a Raw. You paid your hard-earned money, and you brought your wife to it, idiot. What, how, how are you feeling? How do you feel right now, stupid? I feel, I feel really bad about it. <laughs> I feel really bad. It was not. It was not really a good time. <laughs> Did you like Alexa, Alexa Bliss won a match with a punch and nobody cared? <laughs> by, by the way, yeah, uh, Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer uh, radio show this week was wrong. It was not an elbow. It was a punch. She punched Mickey in the face and pinned her clean. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. It was mind-boggling, and yet uh, you you pr- you pretty much called it ahead of time. Uh, we knew we do. I didn't expect everything else horrible on that show. I didn't expect Kane to beat Seth Rollins in eight minutes. Um, <laughs> the guy Triple H, you know, generally Triple H, the guys he puts over, he protects so that you know his his investment in putting the guy over is not lost. Hunter's just letting his boy Seth, who he spent like four years and grooming and they finally got their big Wrestlemania match a year too late and just like six months later the dude's just losing in six minutes to freaking Kane oh my gosh 
Matt Hardy and Miz had the best match on the show, and <laughs> and only like the last five minutes of that thirteen or fifteen minute match was any good. <laughs> like they stalled for the first two thirds of that match, and then Matt Hardy hit a moonsault, and the crowd started chanting, "This is awesome!" I'm like, no, this is just a- <laughs> this is just adequate. <laughs> like everything like, oh, else on this, it's more like every- something's actually happening. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it was like, oh, gosh. And the Miz Braun Strowman stuff I actually thought was pretty funny and good. Sure. But, like, that was, like, that was four weeks' worth of vignettes that they ran through in an hour. <laughs> it was also in like, the third hour that nobody watched. So. Oh, I'm just glad I didn't have to miss a World Series game uh, <laughs> to be there for that. It was on an off night of, the, like, the, this is, the, like, the greatest World Series of my lifetime. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And uh, instead, but, I think, yeah, so you didn't miss that to go watch Kane. Hey, we got the big showdown, though, coming next week. We got Joe versus Titus O'Neil coming coming at you next week. Joe got a superstar reaction coming out, got a huge pop, and then he meet, in a company that doesn't do faces and heels anymore, he immediately healed on the audience for no reason. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> Actually, that's something I'd like to talk about because we, I think you and I more than any other wrestling podcast are like the only ones who ever notice that they don't really do faces and heels anymore. Um, maybe that's not fair. I don't listen to every wrestling podcast. There's three billion of them. But I feel like we talk about it more. Um, but there's two examples. Joe doing that is a great example of a guy who, for the most part, I mean, he was then booked to win clean by submission over the baby face. So he's still booked <laughs> pretty strong. We saw, we see how Alexa bliss is booked constantly. Uh, but then on the other hand, you had uh, Bobby Roode who was playing a 1985 heel Ric Flair in NXT, but now they have him playing and he's playing a, a you know, a, a baby face for lack of a better term. So now he like, so even though his, his gimmick is tailor made for one of these shades of gray, you know, everybody cheers him anyway. To just put him against another heel and he's a baby face, basically. Or put him against a guy the crowd doesn't like, whatever. But they're doing a big smile every week and he's grandstanding to the fans and he's trying to get, you know, get them to sing along with his promos. It's like, did you... I mean, I, I don't know the answer is Vince doesn't watch NXT. But it's like, the guys they pick to actually do the old school baby face and heel stuff are never the guys that actually should be doing it. That's that's correct. Except the Miz, the Miz is pretty much kept a heel, and he is a great he is a great heel. Except he cut like the best babyface promo of the year on Twitter this week, <laughs> that going was after awesome. Baron, going after Baron Corbin for bringing up his wife, his pregnant wife. Oh my god! Let's let's uh, talk about the Survivor Series card that's coming up here. Uh, we're not going to do a show next week, so our next show will probably be uh, the go home show for Survivor Series. But uh, we can talk about Survivor Series and how that card's laid out and then kind of weave in some WWE television discussion this week as we get through it. Uh, Enzo Amore and Kalisto are going to wrestle at Survivor Series for what feels like the 50th time. For the cru- <laughs> I don't know. Drew Gulak should be the Cruiserweight champion in my estimation. Yeah, Gulak is awesome. That was one of the highlights, the, the, the highlights of Raw um, that I saw. And I, I, I hear he's very good on 205 Live. I'm never going to watch it, so I'll take everybody's word for it. But, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's I don't ever need to see Kalisto and Enzo uh, again. But I do like Enzo and Drew as a team. I'm, I'm fine with that. 
at least that's something when I see, okay, they'll at least make me laugh. Like, that's something. Tag champs will wrestle the tag champs. This will probably be the best match on that show. Rollins and Ambrose versus the Usos. I think this will be the yeah. yeah. I think this will be the best WWE match maybe all year if they're given time. Like, I mean, it might be tough to top like the the Cena AJ match from the Rumble, or I know everybody kind of went crazy over that the UK title match at the one NXT show. Um, but I like to me this is this if they just get like 30, 30 minutes, maybe like twenty five. Uh, and just go out there and do the types of matches they that both of these teams have done lately. I think this will be just amazing. I I have very high expectations for this match, which of course is very dangerous when you're <laughs> <laughs> when you're a WWE fan. Uh, generally, the the way to go is low expectations. So when the show's just pretty good, then you're like, oh, that was actually really great. But uh, I'm I have very high expectations for this match. I see champ the Miz versus U.S. champ Baron Corbin. I can't believe that they're actually going to do this match, and I still, I still half think they're going to take one of these titles off one of these guys because this could be one of the worst matches of the year. I mean, I would, I would have to think, I, you know, I would think based on these Twitter promos that they aren't, but they keep having Baron Corbin lose to Sin Cara on, on SmackDown. <laughs> And they did a whole bit of having Sin Cara, like Baron Corbin go after Sin Cara's mask and Sin Cara getting enraged. And they, I think they went to like a double count out and Baron ran away from him. Uh, and then they had Sin Cara cut a very muffled promo uh, about how his mask is his heritage and how he puts food on the table for his family. So like, I think we're going to probably get like a mask versus title match on like a random SmackDown in, within the next two weeks. Um I don't know if maybe Baron will just beat him clean and that'll be the end of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. But they, the, and I, was, I mentioned this on Twitter, like the resurgence of Sin Cara in like a normal would be like the weirdest thing WWE has done in years. But it's not because like Kurt Angle wrestled eight days ago or 10 days ago or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and all this crazy stuff with, with uh, the various you know, sicknesses in the locker room and Braun Strowman em- emerging from garbage trucks and and Kane being pushed in 2017 and Alexa Bliss winning with a punch. Like, it's not even, like, <laughs> Sin Cara gets put, Sin Cara's getting this random push, and I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> Triple H is, right now, as we speak, uh, wrestling in the UK in full shield garb. Are you aware of this? <laughs> yes, I saw the picture on Twitter. His hate, <laughs> like his hate. only only like the third weirdest thing that's happened this week. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, again, I'm sure there's there's gonna be people that will be upset, be like, oh, why would he team with Seth and Dean and like Seth Dean and Roman are like his most his three most recent pay per view singles opponents. I'm pretty sure. Um, and but uh, hey, you know what? It's okay because it's it's just a. Uh, October slash November of 2017 thing, and it doesn't even seem that weird. It is weird that like we have. Well, I, you mentioned the, these illnesses, and I guess everybody except Roman is back now, and Roman's off the European tour, and Hunter's subbing for him on the European tour. But the weird thing about this brand versus brand pay per view, other than the fact that they don't, you know, there's nothing at stake, and so <laughs> the matches don't mean anything, yeah. uh, is the fact that okay, so Raw's going on this European tour. And um, smack South American, whatever. Anyway, 
there there was no time for Raw to invade SmackDown because they left <laughs> for <laughs> they left for Europe before SmackDown uh, left for for Europe. Right. So like they couldn't do it. They're not going to reinvade. Um, there's not going to be so like Raw has these has its own insulated programs and SmackDown is having its own insulated programs. Like you mentioned, Baron and Sin Cara and AJ, who's Jinder's TV program. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's like they have kind of these own little feuds that are going on, but they're not really building to anything because they're building the Survivor Series. It's making for some really weird television. It might explain why Raw was like the worst show I've ever been to this week. <laughs> that is, that is true. It's 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 somewhat uh, schizophrenic in that sense. That you have Kurt Angle doing the most hilarious acting I've ever seen in a WWE sketch when when Daniel Bryan showed up and he started screaming into his walkie-talkie. Um, died laughing. That was that was amazing. Um, but uh, but and everything's everyone's on alert because SmackDown might evade again. But then like you know, right? Miz is doing his thing with Braun now, and you know, even though, like all the Raw women got beat up by the SmackDown women last week. But like Alexa and Mickey are just out there having their match and and whatever. Like no no one no one like everyone's like when it's convenient they'll bring up oh well you know you never know if SmackDown's going to show up or whatever. And they kind of did the same thing on SmackDown this week with, oh, you don't know if Raw's going to show up. It's like, yeah, but then in the meantime, you're just kind of, everybody's just going about their business. So, yeah, it's very strange. Survivor Series has a women's champion versus women's champion match, Alexa versus Natty. doesn't really matter who wins that, but I would assume Alexa wins because I think Vince has a little crush. Uh, <laughs> women's five-on-five traditional elimination match, Sasha, Bailey, Nia, Alicia, and one to be announced versus Charlotte, Becky, Carmella, Tamina, and Naomi. I don't know that it necessarily matters who wins that. Um, I don't know. I would assume the SmackDown women will win since their champion's probably going to lose to the Raw women's champion. But um, the men's 5 on 5 elimination match Kurt, Braun, and 3TBA versus Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Nakamura, and 1TBA. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon, top feud in WWE right now. Stephanie McMahon returned to emasculate Kurt Angle this week, and I just slumped in my chair when I heard her music hit and slumped further, slumped further in my chair as she cut her Stephanie McMahon promo on Kurt, who had to stand there and sell it and cower. It's like, dude, you have a gold medal. Go, You don't have to take this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know the famous thing is, you know, that and two bucks will buy you a cup of coffee, but Kurt, you don't need to, like, don't sell this. Don't sell it. No, don't sell it. Right. Oh, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't mad. He wasn't mad that Stephanie's chewing him out. It wasn't like, a, oh, well, I'm going to take it because I care. It wasn't even like most of what the Foley stuff was, where Foley was like, yeah, he's angry, but he's going to take it because he thinks he'll make life better for the rest of the Raw roster. And if he leaves, then it's just Stephanie's wrath against all of them. It's like, no, no like, like Kurt was in near tears. Like he was so worried that, that, the great and powerful McMahon family might take away his job. Um, yeah, I was, I mentioned this that, on Twitter again. Uh, it's just Kurt Angle and Shane are wrestling on the show, and like nobody, like nobody's angry, nobody's happy, nobody's excited, nobody's concerned. Like it's just like, yeah, no, that's just that's happening. Like if you go, if you subscribe to the Wrestling Observer, I urge you to go back and listen to like some, I don't know, two thousand. Uh, 
probably 2006, 2007 audio. And you'll hear Dave and Brian talking a lot about what were the lessons of, of those years. And like the lesson of 2007, I think, was that undercards don't sell pay-per-views. It's you can put anything on the undercard. It's the main event that sells pay-per-views. That was mainly a UFC lesson. But uh, and yet UFC continues now. That, I think that's changed a little bit in 2017 with the way they kind of stack three or four. Uh, like if you look at this coming weekend's UFC, it's a stacked card, and they do that like three times a year, and everything else in between they don't really care about selling you. But right. <laughs> um, so the lesson of 2007 was uh, main events sell pay per views. To me, the lesson of 2016 was that Shane McMahon is a bigger star than any of us think he is. And to me, the lesson of 2017 is that WWE will never make as big as anyone from the Attitude Era. And so we have to learn to accept that guys like Shane and Kurt and Brock and Orton and Cena and Hunter and Rock, if he ever comes back, they're all just going to be, as long as Vince is alive, they are all... And unless there's some kind of um, sea change in the the thinking at the top levels of that company where the brand is the most important thing and individuals are not the most important thing, they're just going to always push guys from that era stronger than anyone from today's era. And that's the lesson of 2017 to, to me is that, <laughs> is yeah, that I mean, guys like Kurt and Shane are always going to be pushed at that level. I mean, the perfect metaphor is Kane laying out Finn Balor and the tag champs. Like, yeah. Seth Rollins was the world champion for like a year. Finn was your first ever first ever universal champion and has been more protected than most, you know, raw mid-card guys. You know, Dean has been kind of up all up and down this, you know, the card in his singles run, but he's been a pretty heavily pushed guy as far as their TV, but they all they all bow down. They all come in second place or third place or whatever to to the real stars that's and that's why as much as you you might think in your head hey ginger's gonna probably be champion until wrestlemania so it should definitely be like a full-time guy that beats him for the title finally and and saves smackdown from the from this from this reign of terror of, of ginger mahal but you know who it's gonna be it's gonna be john cena right Probably. I mean, I, I don't have any, I don't have a good answer for you. I mean, I mean to me, not, if, if it was even, me, it would be AJ Styles. But right. <laughs> it would be AJ Styles tomorrow. Like I, you know, Ginger wouldn't be my champion yeah. at all, obviously. But if we accept, right? It's one of those things where you accept. You have to accept certain things, and you got to weed through it. And again, because every once in a while, and we talk about them when these moments come up. You know, every once in a while, they give you something like the Festival of Friendship. Or, you know, the DIY versus revival matches from last year in NXT. Or, you know, they give you something just awesome. And you're like, that's great. But it's like, you got to hold on the other, you know, (laughs) the other 46 (laughs) weeks out of the year that they're not going to give you that level of greatness. And we're going to get Kane beating up Finn Balor. Like, that's what (laughs) you're going to get for the other 46 weeks of the year. But those six weeks of, you know, certain matches or certain segments on pay-per-views or certain promos, like that's, that's, that's what you got to hold on for. That's what you got to dig for. Because if you just, if you go in every week expecting like a show that looks to the future, that's just not what you're going to get out of, 
that's not what you're going to get out of WWE in 2017. I think you're absolutely right. Like, like, and there's other wrestling out there that's you know that does look to, to younger people or has looked to guys. Although you could argue that you know ROH is currently pushing the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, who have you know both have all been around for a decade or more. So I don't even know if you can say that ROH is really pushing young, young talent, but you know, there are some newer guys like Marty Skrull who kind of just became a bigger star in North America in the last year or so. So, I mean, you can look for, you know, for fresh faces. New Japan is pretty notorious for having the same four guys, uh, you know, it's Naito, Tanahashi, Okada, and one foreigner. Usually was Styles for a while. Now it's Omega. Um, you know, and those are kind of going to be the guys. So a lot of companies, they get their guys and they're making money. And so whatever that thing that used to be in Vince McMahon's head that said, Hey, you know, we're losing viewers or we're losing attendance. We need to do better. We're not giving the fans what they want to see. It's on us to bring those fans back. Now that voice has been replaced with somebody telling him, Hey man, we're still making record profits here. This TV deal is still here. We're probably still going to get, you know, we're still going to get a good chunk of money, probably at least the same. Maybe I'm sure they're telling him, like, we'll get even more money from USA next time. Uh, you know, our profits will only go up. So whatever reason, at some last 10 to 15 years, the, that voice that used to tell Vince, hey, when attendance is down, when viewers are down, doing now it's just stay the course. Don't change anything. You, we've got to stay where we are. And that's... Again, maybe that's a problem not just in, in in WWE, as I've just sort of laid out. But it seems like it's a little more obvious when you have guys who are 50 years old <laughs> beating up Finn Balor and the tag champs. I think it's just more obvious on WWE shows currently. The main event of Survivor Series, allegedly, is bro- the, the alleged main event is Brock and Jinder. I look forward to seeing Brock not sell a damn thing for Jinder. <laughs> I mean, just based on the promo that Heyman cut on him, where he basically <laughs> lays out everything that, like, we and Brian Alvarez and everybody else says about Ginger every week, about how he's booked to be kind of a dork and a lame duck champion, and he cheats to win all his matches, and he just barely scrapes by with the belt. That's basically what Heyman said in his promo, except he even went even further and basically said he's not worthy to be in the same breath as Brock, and... This is going to basically say this is going to be easy. So uh, I guess there's been talk of a special guest referee, but they haven't mentioned that on television yet. So who knows? But yeah, as it stands, that's that's your match. And this seems like a a Brock versus Dean Ambrose scenario where he's just going to go. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't want to I don't really want to sell tonight and just and take most of the match, whatever the finish is. I think the the preceding body of the match will be a lot of German suplexes. Well, we have that to look forward to in a couple of weeks at Survivor Series. <laughs> uh, there will be no boss time segment this week as Sasha Banks was not on Raw. And I really don't have anything interesting to report on social media this week. Do you have anything else, Liam, or should we get out of here? Um, I, I wanted to stand on some kind of positive note, but this is a, this is a down week. Um, <laughs> Like I said, I, I mentioned this before I criticized Kenny Omega for taking too many steroids. I watched, I've seen some more recent New Japan stuff. I saw Kenny's matches with Okada as well as the finals match against Naito this year. They were both very good. So 
just again, and uh, I hear a lot of good things about whatever Billy Corgan's doing with these previews for the NWA. <laughs> I, I'm not going to watch it, but you all, you all, the listener, are feel, feel free to let me know if it's good. Uh, much like with much like with Seinfeld or Stranger Things, I'll never watch it. But hey, if you want to let me know that it's good, I'm very glad that you enjoy it. So if you want to go out and find good wrestling, look at the NWA, look at New Japan. If you have cable, you might have access TV or go subscribe to their network and Ring of Honor's doing shows and Evolve and, and all this stuff. So it's it's out there if you want it. But if you're watching WWE, you just got to hold on and wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that cheery note, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back in two weeks with more stories from the wrestling life. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Well, the noose is tightening, Liam. <laughs> the noose is tightening. We're so close we to got in- Pence being the president. We got indictments this week of the campaign manager who resigned. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> resigned before the election. And uh, I don't like still nothing. No, this is I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, Was, it's, is, is this anything? Not. I mean, it's it's slightly more than nothing, but unless, as as Keith Olbermann has has uh, suggested, that the guy was wired and Trump is like on the is like unless they have tape of President Trump being like, "Ha, huh, man, really loved how I coordinated with those Russians to win this election." Like that's all they they all all they have to do. And they already did it with Papadopoulos. Is like just classify he was a guy, he was a volunteer. Nobody really knew him. He's just a guy. 
we don't have anything to do with them. So it's like, yeah, some people, you know, those those level guys will go down, but those are the guys who always go down whenever right. there's anything near, you know, any kind of corruption case. It's the campaign manager is the one that goes to jail. It's it's those level of guys. And again, like <laughs> the, the golden scenario <laughs> is where Mike <laughs> Pence is president. And I just don't quite uh, I don't quite understand the the rush. And I, I was I'm just thinking like the golden scenario is they they just hate they just hate that he's mean, really. That's why they don't like Trump. Like they like they're fine with like Republicans wanting to you know, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, I don't want to alienate if you include this. But if you're a Democrat, <laughs> you might hate you might not like Republicans because they're want to take away your health care. Or they don't want to give you a higher minimum wage, or they want to take away abortion, or whatever. It's like Mike Pence wants all of those same things, but he'll do it in a more respectful manner. He'll bomb. <laughs> he'll he will bomb Iran with the dignity that bombing Iran deserves. <laughs> that's 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 my thing. Is like if the Democrats get that, they're not like that's the end. Like they've they've absolved Hillary Clinton of her sins, and now they and now all of those. You know, slightly left of center mainstream Democrat can go back to really caring and go back to, you know, getting giant donate donations and doing all the stuff that Democrats. <laughs> <sighs> well, good times. Yeah, well, game seven should be great. Yeah, <laughs> game seven should be great. I hope so. I was, it was one of the things I, I, I said I picked. Let's record tonight because. It's like, oh, well, maybe it'll end tomorrow. In my mind, I was like, there's no way the Dodgers are losing last night. And, and in fact, they yeah. didn't. So it'll, it'll be interesting. I, game well, sevens are always great. There's been some good ones. And uh, I can't imagine this being anything other than as dramatic, if not more. I try to keep on keeping on.